0: In Gateway, um, can we just start by praying? Dear Lord, we want to thank you, the holy, holy God, who would send his son to die for us, who would send his son to die in our place. Lord, as we read your word, and as I speak this morning, Lord, I say, Lord, please speak through me, and I ask, Lord, for eyes that will see you ears that will hear from you, and hearts that will be open to receive you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be continuing in our series of encounters with Jesus. And I believe this is probably the last um, encounter that we're going to look at before we move on to something different. Hi, Jamie. Um, It's all right. So um, I'm going to be reading from Luke 5, and it's from verses 1 to 11. Just, but just before we start, just to probably give a bit of context, um, Simon, who we're going to be looking at, so we're looking at the encounter that Simon had with Jesus, Simon, who is also known as Peter, who is who is called to be Jesus' disciple. So just to give context in... Um, in the beginning of John's gospel, we hear about um, Simon because it says, as, John the, as Jesus was passing, John the Baptist called out and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And we know that two of his disciples then decided to follow Jesus. And one of those disciples was Andrew. And then Andrew ran and told his brother Simon that I have found the Messiah, come and see him. And we know that they then went to Jesus's house. And then also reading from Luke four, we also see that Jesus goes to Simon's house, Simon Peter, Peter's house, and heals his mother-in-law. So that is the context that I just wanted to give uh, before we start. So Luke 5 verse one. Um, okay, I'll read from here. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Um, So we're going to watch a short video uh, from the series, The Chosen, which picks up uh, from verse five. So in verse eight, we see that even though Simon had known Jesus, in that moment, he understood who Jesus was. He saw the revelation of who Jesus was. You know, we've been singing holy, holy, holy. He became so aware of his sinfulness. He became so aware that he was in front of a holy, living God. And, you know, it reminds me of Isaiah. You know, in Isaiah 6, when it says, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And after he had had that revelation of God, you know, he was like, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips for I have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And we know that the angel took a live call and put it on his lips and atoned for his sins in that moment. And Peter, who had known Jesus or who had seen Jesus, saw the Creator God, the the God who had power beyond his expertise. We know that Jesus was a carpenter's son, and Peter had been a fisherman for so long, and he knew how to fish, he knew what to do. But in that moment, Peter had a revelation that this God was able to command fish to be near that boat, so much fish for him to be able to cast his net. And that's why he falls down and says, God, depart from me because I am a sinful man. But Jesus' response was not to say, yeah, you, you know, but it was to ask him to follow me, to reassure him and say, come and follow me. God is not surprised by our sinfulness. You know, God is not surprised that we are sinful, but he provides atonement for us. You know, he died on the cross. He's, he died and was raised to life. Um, so I think what I want to talk about today is God's encounter. He encounters Simon, but he, and then he says, so when Simon knows who God is, he doesn't just stop there. God says, follow me. And that's what we want to look at today, about following God. God. We see from the passage and similar ones in the Gospels uh, that Jesus calls us to follow him. But his call just doesn't end there. He just doesn't call us and say, okay, follow me, and that's all. But he calls us to action. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We are saved not only just for being saved, but we are saved to make disciples and to bring others um, to Jesus. And the invitation to follow Jesus today is for everyone. It wasn't only for the disciples then, but it is for all of us. And it's an invitation. And like with any invitation, you have to accept the invite. You have to make a choice to say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. And that's what God is asking us today. So are you a follower of Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Jesus is asking you this morning to follow him. I want to look at Simon Peter's uh, journey as a disciple. So after Jesus has said, follow him, he follows Jesus. And we get a glimpse, you know, like there were 12 disciples that Jesus asked, but Simon Peter is one of them who we can kind of get a picture of because we, we read about him a lot in the gospel. We know he was an ordinary fisherman who Jesus had called to follow him we see from different stories in the Bible that actually he was quite impulsive. He tended to just say something in the moment without sometimes actually thinking it through. But he was also not afraid to ask questions and he was also not afraid to put himself out there. You know, um, there's an occasion when Jesus is walking on the water and Simon Peter sees Jesus and says, oh, Jesus, please can I come to you on the water? And Jesus bids him to come. And as he's walking, the winds start, and he gets afraid, and he starts to sink, and he cries, Lord, save me, and Jesus grabs a hold of him. You know, at the transfiguration, Peter is also there. Simon Peter is also there, and I, I guess he's overwhelmed. He doesn't know what to do, and he starts saying, oh, Lord, should we build a shelter? Should I build three shelters for you? So he was somebody who just kind of spoke what was there. He was, um, he was just like, you know, quite impulsive and spoke as he wanted, but then we also see when Jesus asks him and says, Who do you say I am? You know, he's able to say, Oh, you are the Messiah um, that we've been waiting for. And then also we see Peter, like when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's under so much distress and he's praying, and he asks his, he asks his disciples, uh, Please stay awake, watch, and pray with me. But when he comes back, Peter is one of those disciples who is sleeping. So, just reading through Peter, Simon Peter's life, you know, he's relatable. You know, I find myself that even as a follower of Jesus, I fall short in so many ways. I, you know, sometimes I'm not reading my Bible, sometimes I'm not doing the things that I should do, and yet. Simon Peter, who was with Jesus, had the same flaws and the same shortcomings that uh, we also have. But I think what is important to note is that actually Jesus doesn't want a perfect from us. He is the perfect person. But then we are a living example of Jesus, how Jesus transforms us. So as we follow Jesus, as we walk with Jesus, Jesus is transforming us into his likeness. One of the things that we know about Peter is that he he denies Jesus three times. And the, um, Jesus had told him before, he had told him that you're going to deny me three times and he was, he was like, Lord, Lord, I would never deny you. I will know, it will never happen. And then the cock crows three times and Jesus looks back at um, Peter and then Peter obviously also sees and remembers what Jesus has said and it says that, Peter just stood and went away, and he wept very bitterly. You know, I can only imagine how he must have felt in that moment, you know, the shame, the guilt, the disappointment that, oh, yes, I did let down, you know, my Lord, my master. He must have been very disappointed. And and I think sometimes we feel that way. I've been feeling a lot like that this week as I've been preparing for this message because I was like, God, I really do not feel worthy to do this. I'm struggling with unforgiveness. And then I'm thinking, then I have to come up and speak and struggling with that. But thank God that Peter's story does not end there. It doesn't end with the guilt and the shame. So I want us to go to John 21. And we'll start reading from the first verse. After Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, Okay. After Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way: Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other and two other others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, We will go to We will go with you. They went out and got into their boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just the same as what we've just seen in this scene from Luke 5. But as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. This time, they're not even questioning, you know, Simon Peter is not saying, oh, we've been trying all day, but he cast, as he has been told. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but at but about hundred yards off. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, the fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. Simon, despite what had happened the night before Jesus was crucified, he ran for the Lord. When he knew it was the Lord, he ran. Previously, when he knew it was the Lord, he was like, go away from me, Lord. But in this instance, he runs. Peter had been transformed by Jesus. He had spent three days with Jesus. He understood who Jesus was. He ran towards his savior. He ran towards grace. He ran towards mercy. He ran towards life. He had spent every day and he knew who Jesus was. And I think it's also, I don't think, but I know it is the same for us. That Jesus, when we have failed or when we feel we have failed or when we feel we are unworthy, we are to run to him who understands us. It doesn't surprise him that we are sinful, but he's there ready Um, with open arms to accept us. And it says that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So how does this encounter help us today? What is it that we can learn from this encounter today? The call for us is to follow Jesus. And when we follow him, it says he will make us fishers of men. So we are not called just to follow Jesus only, but we're called action. We are called to make disciples that will make disciples that will follow Jesus. Jesus, amen, Jesus was, I mean, Jesus has given us a very good example of how to make disciples and how others will then follow him. Jesus did his life with his disciples. He knew them and they knew him. We know that Jesus knew the disciples' relatives. We know that he went to Simon's house and prayed for Simon's mother-in-law. Uh, we know that this, the mother of the sons of Zebedee comes to Jesus to ask for a favor, that, Lord, when you're in your kingdom, can my sons sit on, you know, your, both your sides? So we know that Jesus was living everyday life with his disciples. Even his disciples would go and have dinner at Mary and Martha and uh, Lazarus' house, and those were close friends of um, Jesus. So we need to be like that as well, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus. We need to do life together. We need to be spending our lives together. And to be able to do this, we need to be intentional. You know, fish don't just, fishermen, when they go out to fish, they don't just sit in their boats and wait for the fish to jump into the boats. They have to go out and cast their nets so that they can get fish. And today, my question is, are we casting our nets into the sphere of influence that we have? You know, whether it's in our workplaces, in our, in our homes, in our families, wherever we find ourselves in life, are we casting the nets, so that we can make disciples. And I guess the question is, how can we be intentionally spending time with others, or how can we be fishing for men? Um, I think it's about spending time with others. So whether these people know Jesus or not, so whether it's in your workplace, are you living a life where you're not kind of removed from everybody else, but you're doing life so that others can actually see how Jesus is transforming your life? So there are new people who are coming in. Are you looking out for other people to say, I want to walk with somebody so that they may get to know Jesus more? Even here in Gateway, are we discipling each other? Are we walking Together, Are we attending small group or are you looking out for others and seeing how you can spend time together? Those inauthentic, are you making time with your friends to talk about Jesus, to encourage each other uh, about Jesus? As a wider body, are we helping each other? Are we praying for each other? Are we helping each other navigate um, the different challenges that we have in life. It could be grief. It could be loneliness, worry, unforgiveness. So many things, so many commitments in life. Are we doing life together? You know, Jesus with his disciples, they did everyday mundane things. You know, in the Bible, you will read that Jesus sent his disciples to go and get food. They, had, they did life together. And that's what we should be doing as we do life together, as we spend time with one another, we begin to observe how each other live. We learn from each other. We encourage each other, and we grow, and we are transformed by God. And then I, I was also thinking, I was like, am I really discipling anyone? Am I being a good disciple? Am I going out there? And then I'm thinking, actually, I don't have time. I'm working very hard. I'm doing long days. How will I ever find the time? And I think I'm not the only one. I'm sure it's probably a lot of us who are also thinking, where are we gonna find the time? But we need to start thinking, how can we include others in the rhythm of our lives? We're not saying stop what you're doing, but how can we begin to include others in our in the rhythms um, of our lives? So you might um, are you you If you've got time where you're going for a walk, are you going together? You might be running errands and say, actually, I don't have time. But are you able to go with somebody as you run those errands? You could do them. If you're doing shopping, grocery shopping, are you able to do it together and begin to talk about God and encourage each other? You know, you might be saying, I'm a young parent. I've got so many children uh, who are young. I have to take this one for soccer. I have to take this one for dance and all that stuff. But you could disciple actually maybe a young person who you can take along with you to those events that you'll be going with your family. And as as you are on the sidelines, you're sharing life, they're getting to see how you treat your children, how life is done. So we need to start thinking of ways we can include others in the rhythm of our lives so we can grow together. You know, I'm just thinking like when we're, We're reading from John 21, when um, Jesus' disciples, when Peter decides to go fishing, the other disciples come, there's there's several of them, and you think actually they were so different, tax collector, Simon the Zealot, they were different people, but with time, spending time together, they were willing to do stuff together and to grow together, and that's what we should also be uh, trying to do. And some might say, actually, it's very hard. It's so awkward. How do I go and say, oh, I would like to walk with you. I would like, yeah, it is very awkward. And thank goodness that it is because actually we're not supposed to do it on our own. God says, I will make you. He will empower us to go and make disciples. And sometimes you might think I'm not worthy. I don't know. Where do I start? I'm even struggling. I'm a new Christian. I'm just struggling with life. How am I going to do it? you're going to do it in the power of God because he says, I will make you. He will empower you. He will equip you to go ahead um, and disciple one another. And you might also say, actually, I've tried discipling people. I've tried to walk with people. It's so messy. It has left me in such a terrible place. Fishing is quite messy. It's quite a smelly business as well. And, but in, even in that, God is with you. God will strengthen you, God will guide you, and he will help you. You know, a disciple is a learner, he, the, a, a disciple is an apprentice. It's like learning on the job. You learn by doing, you learn by spending time, you learn by hearing the word, you learn. So it is something that is continuous. You don't get to a point where you say, oh, I, I, I've arrived. So whether you've been a Christian for years and years and years, or whether you're just starting out today, you have something to share and to grow together. So, also another thing is it requires faith, you know. When a fisherman goes, he might know that, okay, maybe the shallow waters or maybe if I fish at night or whatever, he might have those things. But actually, when they cast their nets, it is by faith and hope that yes, they will catch something because they can't see what's below the surface. And it is the same with us that as we begin to walk with others, as we begin to disciple each other, God is working because we can't see what's in the heart, but we can surely see the transformation that happens just as we see um, Simon, uh, Peter as well. Um, I think I just want to end by saying actually Simon, Simon, Peter's story just doesn't end at the breakfast at the beach. We read like in Acts what the disciples, all of them go on to do. They go on to do mighty exploits for God. They go boldly. You know, Peter who had denied Jesus to a servant girl in the garden of Gethsemane, he goes out and is able to stand before the Sanhedrin, before the rulers and declare that Jesus is Lord. He goes out and begins to heal people he goes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the same for us. Whether you feel you're not worthy, we've been, we've been singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But He is a holy God who's willing to bring us in. He's willing because he sent his son to die for us. And today I just, want to, I just wanted to share this encounter as an encouragement. That yes, we are followers of Jesus, but we are called to more. We are called to disciple, to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples who will follow Jesus. So that is my encouragement today, that we go out, cast our nets wherever we find ourselves, and make disciples. Thank you. Amen.